Hey true crime friends, I'm Danny and I'm Brenna and, and this, this is Lago Stories. Today's episode contains graphic information that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener's discretion is advised. We're back. Uh, welcome back. Episode three, Brenna. Episode three. I'm feeling good. Yeah, me too. Took a little break. We're yeah. refreshed and ready to... Ready to go. So going forward, we will introduce episodes every other week. One from me or Brenna, unless something changes. But that will kind of be our run of show from here on out, you guys. And every other Monday. Yes. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one of the big questions we did get from our social media posts was, what is a Lagos? So Brennan, do you mind explaining to our lovely supporters what a Lagos is? Sure. So basically back, it was commonly used back in the 1920s, but a ghost lawyer was a term for somebody who did all of the background research for court cases, but never appeared in court. So that's why we are law ghosts, because we're similar to ghost lawyers. Yeah, just a little fun play on words. So no ghosts in our story. No. (laughs) We are just behind the scenes trying to advocate for something that we aren't actually officially a part of. So let's kind of jump into our episode this week. So one of the reasons we got into podcasting was from our favorite true crime ladies who just do it really well. And when we mean really well, we mean they bring a lot of respect to what we talk about. We don't always have the sexiest topic um we can't really make in light of what we're talking about so we really enjoy those podcasters that take their piece and make an impact and really make a movement of what they're talking about um and both me and Brent are very passionate about that so for this episode i had heard bits and pieces of the story and i believe it was from like a hallmark movie and mystery show you know hallmark's my guilty pleasure (laughs) like always on when i am working from home just in the background i can just hear my husband now asking me like are you seriously still watching this like can we turn it off (laughs) but i was reintroduced to the case after listening to a women in crime episode Now, I will let our listeners know this story is rough to listen to, but after I did more research, it was one that I could not pass up on sharing. I do want to shout out to my sister Nicole for helping with the research and break up the intensity of this one. So thank you so much, Nicole. It really did help me get through this one. So with that said, I wanted to provide a warning and a trigger warning for those who are sensitive to topics about domestic violence and to proceed with this episode with caution. I did feel like, although it is hard to listen to, it was something that is an important one to share and to make sure nothing like this happens to another domestic abuse victim in the future. Today's episode will be on the brutal attack of Miss Tracy Thurman. Tracy lost her mother at the age of 18 in 1979. It was a very traumatic incident for her, and because of it, she ended up actually dropping out of high school and leaving her hometown of Torrington, Connecticut, and off to sunnier weathers in Florida. After she had moved, she eventually found work as a housemaid, and this is where she would meet 17-year-old Buck Thurman. She was quoted in an article from the Washington Post saying, when I met him, I felt so safe and secure. Unfortunately, their relationship would be anything but that. Oh, no. 
The two had major attraction from the very beginning and within a couple of weeks had moved in together. Now Buck worked in construction and would move from time to time quite often. Tracy would travel with him from site to site. So as you can imagine, this did not leave much room for her to build strong relationships with people outside of Buck. Her mom had just passed away, as I mentioned earlier, and she had moved from her hometown, and now she's in a full relationship with this guy and moved quite often. So Buck was essentially her safe space. This would be the start of the darker side to Buck as well. He would become physical with Tracy during arguments. It had begun with a few hits here and there and became so violent that Tracy flees from Buck for her own safety. It was during this time that she finds out she's pregnant. Buck begins pleading with her and begging her that things will change and be different. Although Tracy was hesitant, she hoped that Buck's claims were honest and the couple was married. So I know um, you just said that she had already fled and it's very unfortunate that she felt that maybe she couldn't be a single mother or kind of fell back into that trap of you know he's sorry and and that's a lot of what I know about domestic violence is they're very manipulative and you know it's very easy to go back but I wanted to to say that it seems like he didn't mean to isolate her but with his work schedule she was already very isolated yeah, it was kind of like the perfect recipe for something like that. Like she moved away from her hometown. She was very close with her mother who had just passed and now they're moving site to site. Yeah. Even if she was able to build a friendship with somebody, it wasn't going to last. Yeah. Because they were going to be on to the next site anyway. Yeah. Sadly, he did not keep his promises, but increasingly became more violent and much more frequent attacks. After two unsuccessful attempts at leaving, Tracy knew she needed to find a way out or it was going to be a deadly outcome for both her and possibly her baby. So in October of 1982, she left for her hometown of Torrington with baby CJ in hand. Buck was able to track her down and he tried once more to get Tracy to come back, but this time his empty promises were just that. I do want to note that it's hard for a person to leave at any time in a domestic abuse situation. But when they do eventually get out of that situation, it is the highest point of threat for those who are victims to that when they do leave. Absolutely. And I unfortunately know from the other side, being a friend or family member and watching the abuse happen, not, you know, the physical violence per se right in front of my eyes, but I knew that someone that I loved was in an abusive relationship and It was really, really hard for me. I'm not trying to be selfish here, but I just want to say that it's hard to see the red flags, to see the bruises, and for the victim to try and justify it. And I know it's very easy to slip into, but it is very hard to get out of those abusive relationships. And at the time, I didn't notice or know that. And, you know, I kind of regret not helping more because it was just so frustrating for me every time you know she would come back and I would help her and then she would just go right back to the abuse yeah I think you touched on it earlier when we were talking about it was kind of a good recipe like especially with her situation she was moving a lot she didn't have people close with her and you kind of get into that mindset like this just doesn't happen overnight it's kind of a something that 
you're groomed into and it just kind of escalates into a situation where you're like how did I get here mm-hmm. um so I think it's a really good that you touched on that because like the other side it's it's easy for people to get frustrated and not understand and I think that's why it's important to have these hard conversations because it's it's not just okay bye like that it, it doesn't work like that you have to really help these people out of this situation because it didn't happen overnight and they're not going to get out of it overnight and and just like you I had some friends in high school where it was like you would see like them quote unquote play fighting or or like just getting to the point where it was very uncomfortable to be around them when they're arguing and it just escalated to that level like understanding at the time I was like oh that's just them but it's like no that's it's not okay and we need to make sure that you understand that that's not okay as well. Yeah, and something that I I also want to add is just if you are an outsider, if you know or you suspect you see those red flags and in somebody else and you have suspicions that someone is in an abusive relationship, just don't give up on them because mm-hmm. like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. It's going to be a long process, but they need that support system because without it, it's a lot harder to to get out and it could be deadly too mm-hmm. so now buck did not take this turn of events well by any means after tracy's rejection he ends up leaving his job for the construction site where he would move back and forth and he actually settles in torrington now this was the hometown that tracy moved away to to get away from this man so as you can see he's now just following her and really trying to get her back Um, He did not keep his dark side hidden from anyone really in Torrington though. He got a job at a local diner in the town where several people would overhear him or talk to him about how he was openly wanting to kill his wife. These individuals also included officers from the Torrington police station. What? Yeah. Buck would also call Tracy upwards to 25 times a day as well as do several drive-bys of the house of where she was staying. And I do want to note that she was kind of moving from like friend to friend, you know, in these situations, you're not going to feel comfortable kind of staying. And he would once again find her and drive by her house. Yeah. And this was just the start of the harassment. Tracy was quoted in that same Washington Post article I mentioned earlier, that quote, Neighbors would call me and say, we can see Buck. He's two streets over, end quote. The sheer panic I felt when reading that, I just don't understand how she stayed so strong. As I continue on this story, it will seem impossible to understand how strong Tracy really is. Okay, wait. I have a question about, you said that he told police officers that he wanted to kill his wife and nothing came out of that? Yeah, so that's going to kind of be a trend of this story as I go along. You will really start to see, like, I feel like people thought he was just an angry guy, kind of openly joking. A lot of the times it's really upsetting, but Tracy isn't really seen as taken seriously. Um, and you'll really get a sense of that as I go on throughout this story. But yeah, it's it's very frustrating to kind of read this bit and you're like, okay, from the very beginning, this is how it was. It's ridiculous by the time I get to the end. Of yeah, what and obviously Tracy has made multiple attempts to get away, um, and he keeps finding her. But I was wondering, had she ever gone to get, um, you know, like any police statements? Obviously, maybe not in hometown because police wouldn't have done anything about it anyways. But did she make any reports? Yeah. So at first, I think she was really just trying to keep the peace 
and you'll see there's going to be a change of pace in the story to where it's everything she is going to start reporting out to. So mm. there is that transition there, but I think at the beginning she was really just trying to like make it work and kind of like not pursue anything to anger him even further, and she thought it would just fizzle out. I see. Mm-hmm. The first incident happens while Tracy is at a friend's house. They hear knocking on the door and answer it. Buck is pleading to get inside. They refuse. He pushes his way in and grabs Tracy by the neck, attempting to choke her. She manages to get free and then runs inside and calls the police. The police arrive and they remove Buck from the property, but within 30 minutes, he is back banging on the door again. This time, the police do not show up, but eventually Buck leaves the property. The owner of the apartment urges her to file a formal complaint against him to keep him off the property. So this is where you are going to start seeing a string of reports. I really think this owner of the apartment complex, I'm not sure without him saying that she would have done it, but I'm really happy that he did speak up and say something. Yeah. The next incident, Buck returns to the apartment and is able to get a hold of baby CJ. Tracy again contacts the police and holds firm that he is dangerous and she wants him arrested for threatening her and kidnapping her baby. They are able to get CJ back to his mother, but that was as far as it went. Yes. I just said no further action was taken. What? For literally kidnapping? I know it's uh, maybe it hasn't gone through the courts yet and everything like that, but still, that's kidnapping. Yeah, they have a file of complaints on this guy for doing similar violent things and they and just like no oh here's action. your baby back ma'am yeah like Have he's fine you're fine we're all fine wow i i did not understand that at all after this tracy calls the police again to file a report against buck for making several threatening phone calls these calls too would be an official log now this third attack happens when buck steps in to seek visitation rights from his son Tracy receives a call from a family relations officer asking her to come in to get her side of the story. She makes her way to the office, and after she conducts her interview, Buck is out in the parking lot waiting for her. He then moves his car to trap Tracy in the parking lot. He gets out, smashes the windshield with his fist, and tries to grab her. This attack would be witnessed by many, but no one would make an effort to assist or de-escalate the situation. Tracy once again files a report. This time, Buck would be arrested for breach of peace. What? Yeah. I do want to note that all three of these attacks were within a three-week period, and she continuously reported. She did not stop. She didn't take no for an answer. And I'm I'm in shock that all of these still got to this point. Yeah, like, why is he not staying in jail? Mm Mm-hmm. So, this arrest would not result in jail time again. I know, it's like, what? But Buck would receive six months probation. This order would require him to move out of the area. During this time of probation, he would move to Virginia with his father. But that only lasted two months. This would push Tracy to file a restraining order and start the divorce proceeding. When Buck found this out, he threatened her that when the divorce was final, that he would kill Tracy. She immediately called the police again and filed a complaint. Tracy would file several more complaints and reports leading up to her vicious attack. On June 10th, 
1983, Tracy once again called the police as Buck was outside her apartment screaming. After taking more than 20 minutes to arrive after this call, the police officer parked across the street to observe Buck's behavior. Fearful of what would happen if he entered the home, Tracy exits the house and tries to calm Buck down. Which, in all honesty, the last time he got in the house, he kidnapped her child. So I feel like that was a fair judgment on her part. In front of several witnesses in the middle of broad daylight, Buck attacked Tracy for the final time. This attack would last more than 27 minutes, resulting in being stabbed 13 times in her neck, shoulder, and face. She was kicked and beaten until she passed out. Then Buck proceeded to stomp on her neck. (sighs) Buck leaves Tracy and goes to retrieve CJ and holds him over his mother's beaten body, yelling profanities and bragging how he just killed his mother. Each time I think about this last part, it makes me so hot and it makes it hard for me to swallow. Like imagining someone stomping on your neck and then proceeding to go get your child and doing that yeah i mean he doesn't know at the time that she's still alive he really does think that he killed her but i I can't imagine oh my okay the police park across the street and just sit there and watch the entire thing yeah and that's why i really wanted to make it a point of how many reports that she did like after each section i'd be like she filed a report she filed a report so it's not like they don't know this man is very violent very dangerous and really willing to do whatever he wants in front of whoever he wants what would even be the justification for not intervening though so i will let you dabble into that after you read the quote that i pulled from the police officer down below on his response for the attack oh my god okay Quote, the officer who had stopped to knock on the front door took the bloody knife from Thurman but said at the trial that he hadn't seen a body, although he had heard a scream and surmised that for all he knew, the man might have stabbed a dog or chicken, end quote. But okay, backing up again, Tracy leaves the house. She exits the house. So this is, he is stabbing her and beating her in the front yard, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's claiming that he doesn't see a body. I think the part where this the, that quote is, it goes to where he's going back to get CJ and then runs her runs him over there, but then he just like takes the knife from him and still lets him do whatever he wants. I mean, the whole scenario, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Also, how old is CJ now? He's like a toddler, uh, he, right? Yeah, he's still pretty young. I think he's like two, if I remember correctly. Um, I didn't really include that in that portion, but he's still pretty young. Oh my god. Tracy did not let this attack on her take her life. She fought and she survived. It would take her seven months to recover from her injuries. She has permanent nerve damage that resulted in paralysis on her left side of her body. The right side of her body, she has a lot more feeling, but is physically weaker. She is left with several scars all over her body. If you look up photos of her injuries online, it's just heartbreaking to see what this woman went through. She was quoted saying, quote, When I first came home from the hospital, he spit at me and cried. and He wanted his old mommy back, end quote. And in that quote, she's talking about the first time she comes back from the hospital trying to hold her son. He is just in a 
total panic saying he wants his old mommy back because of how much those injuries changed her physical Physical. appearance and also her ability to like move around a lot of the articles stated that even like bending down to pick something up or like doing normal day-to-day activities were almost impossible she was in a therapy for a really long time and she still has nerve damage and numbness and things like that as she's living day to day i'm so glad she survived though oh yeah in 1985 tracy continues her fight and files a civil suit against the city of torrington 29 of their officers and the torrington police she sued them on the constitutional grounds that her 14th amendment of rights to equal protection were violated which in my opinion is a wild understatement agreed no surprise she won and she was awarded 2.3 million dollars her bravery caused widespread legislative action around the country aimed to defending victims of domestic violence connecticut also passed the thurman act which makes domestic violence an act that warrants an immediate arrest regardless of whether or not the victim wants to press charges against the assailant Now, I will say Buck was charged with first-degree assault and sentenced to 14 years in prison. He was released after eight, though. It angers me so much when I found this out. I feel like prison is built for people like him, and I could not believe after everything that this was his sentence and the results after trial. Yeah, I mean, you would think he would be charged with attempted murder, and the police did say that they had seen him yelling with the child correct yes yeah so i mean like that's proof that he was trying to kill her. he had thought he had already yes killed her. there are so many other things that said the same thing and i i didn't want to include that just to like hear your thoughts because you know you hadn't heard this story or anything but yeah. everyone after like finding it out it was like why was he not arrested for attempted murder he literally was seen and heard saying that he wanted to kill her she filed reports about how he wanted to kill her and then when he finally is beating her in front of all these other people he thinks he did kill her and holds their child over her saying i just killed your mother yeah that is and then they said first degree assault and he gets a slap on the wrist for eight years in prison wait where is torrington again what state is this connecticut connecticut Mm -hmm. he also was in his 30s when he was released from prison just to kind of give you an idea and i don't want to spoil my next episode but this is also very reminiscent of Mm. what i will be talking about and i was very angered about the sentencing but yeah yeah, that that is absolutely insane especially because she's gonna have lifelong injuries you know it's not like like there's not gonna be a day that she doesn't get up and remember it because her every day is affected by it yeah so you could say oh with time it gets easier well no like she is literally paralyzed on one side of her body because of this attack. And like, I'm thankful that she was able to survive and she really made an impact with her tragedy and she really made moves, which she didn't have to. There there was no warrant for her to have to do these things that she did. It's just amazing she was able to do that. But she's not going to ever forget that. I will note that in another article, she did say that she would tour a lot and kind of do speaking engagements and things like that. And when he was first released from prison, she stopped all of that because she kind of went back into the fight or flight mode and it it just paralyzed her with fear knowing that he was back out on the streets. 
And I mean, when I read it, I, it, I my whole body it. got chills. I would have yeah. done the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a question. So CJ, since he only served eight years, did he? Hopefully, he didn't get custody of CJ or anything. But do you know anything about that relationship? Yeah. So actually, unfortunately, it's it's really heartbreaking to see. But CJ ended up having some troubles with the law, and one of them ended up being for a violent situation as oh, well. No. Yeah. So that kind of brings into question. Like I know he was young, but what kind of impression mm-hmm. that left on him and how he was able to transition knowing that that happened to his mother yeah Um, if that's what he saw all the time even as a young kid you know mm -hmm. you don't think that toddlers will remember things but they do yeah and buck was actually remarried uh, and had a family of his own and it's still i I still am at a loss for words to knowing that he was able to do that because it's like you almost killed a woman and it wasn't even like this was your first attack you were trying to kill her yes and it wasn't your first attack like i only listed a handful because i didn't want the whole episode to be just ongoing of like xyz but there Mm -hmm. was so many things that happened to her throughout this time and it's not something that i feel like you just forget or transition out of yeah with eight years of prison yeah tracy was a victim in all this from the beginning and still did not take no for an answer. I share her stories in hopes that it helps others to see warning signs and escape a similar fate. This is not a topic that is easy to talk about, but it can save someone's life. Tracy's story has made a true impact on how domestic abuse is handled. We have listed the National Domestic Violence Hotline in our description box below for those of you who are or know someone struggling in a violent situation. We would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Leave us a comment or review. If you have a case suggestion for us, reach out through our website at logostories.net. You can also check out all of our source materials in our description box below. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Stories for all of our updates. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Until then, stay safe out there. It's a weird world. Thank you to Alexander Nakarada for allowing us to use his sound, Nightmare, for a theme music.